All right, guys, welcome back to the Part-Time Hunter Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Gross, and tonight with me, not in studio, but across the country, one of my good friends, Levi Carey, who needs no introduction. If you guys, if you waterfowl hunter, really just follow hunting podcasts in general, you have had to have heard about Pulling Feathers Podcast. What It's a great show. He's been doing it for a while now. Levi's a good friend of mine that I consider that we've met through the the interwebs, IG, social media. But Levi, go ahead and tell people uh, kind of where you are and where they can find you, dude. Hey, uh, yeah, like like Daniel said, my name's Levi Carey. I'm the host of Pulling Feathers Podcast. Uh, we go live typically every week, uh, Wednesday night. Um, I guess your guys' time, Eastern, would be uh, – well, math's hard. So let's just do uh, Montana- <laughs> mountain time, right? <laughs> so mountain time, I typically do at 7.30 mountain time. So I'm two hours behind Eastern and stuff. But, yeah, we, we like to cover the whole gamut. Um, you know, being over here in, in uh, northwestern Wyoming, just outside of Yellowstone, you know, we, we talk a lot of uh, western big game hunting. But coincidentally, I mean, that's, that's the – the whole name of the podcast we we talk uh waterfowl hunting too and uh yeah we we uh kick back a few beers and have some fun and had the uh, privilege of having uh daniel on the podcast a couple times oh shoot man you're too kind well guys like, like we mentioned earlier welcome back to the show uh the part-time hunter guys you, you know exactly what what time it is no commercials no bs just a pure hunting podcast and that lets us get right into it and uh, this is just kind of like an off-season, not like a BS episode, like on the BS Report where we cover politics, sports, and that kind of stuff, but really just you guys having Levi on the show, getting to know him, and uh, maybe funneling some of you guys over to listen to his podcast because it's actually really good content, great guest. Levi does a great job, and uh, I'm giving him a big head over there in, in Wyoming, <laughs> p- pumping him up for you guys. But, dude, yeah, Levi, what have you been up to, man, on the off season out in Wyoming? What, what What's the weather like out there? Well, we're just finally starting to heat up. It's It's been unusually uh, uh, really wet, really cool for us this year, but we're just now finally starting to heat up uh, toward mid-July uh, here. And um, I think we just hit uh, 95 for the first time this uh this year and it, it's been really nice but now that it's hot it's like dang man <laughs> dude so. no you're exactly right man we had i got in the truck today i got off early today at work and uh at 4 30 in the afternoon my truck was saying it was 98 yeah it was, yeah it was absolutely terrible and if you know anything about the south dude it's like you got the heat nope. and it's like as soon as the heat shows up then the humidity shows up and it's just like you can go check your mail here in in Georgia, and you're, you're dying, dude. Yeah, well, that's one thing we're fortunate about up here in Wyoming is we don't have humidity like y'all do. Oh. That. So we got a we got a dry heat, so I can't whine too much. That and the uh, the mountains aren't too far away, so uh, gets too hot, you jump up uh, about an hour drive either way for me, and uh, you're up in the up in the mountains where it's nice and maybe uh, high as seventy five. So oh my uh, gosh, dude. Spend a lot of time up in the mountains this time of year. Dude, no kidding, man. And, like, a lot of people don't know that you're actually a part-time firefighter. Am I remembering right? So I'm a volunteer fireman, have been for the past 13 years. Wow. Um, 
Yep. So been doing that for, for a good while now since I could uh, um, get on with our department. Our department has a rule where you can't join until you're 21. And the day of my 21st birthday, rather than go down to the store and grab some beer, which I mean, I like my beer, but rather than do that, <laughs> <laughs> rather than do that, I ran down to the local fire department and uh, turned in my application. Uh, I grew up with uh watched my uncle who was a volunteer fireman same department um he was a assistant fire chief i grew up watching him run off during christmas easter thanksgiving whatever to go help other people out and that he didn't even know and i thought that was pretty dang cool so um i kind of wanted to do that myself and been loving it ever since Dude, that's so awesome, man. So you're 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 like a legacy, like a like a generational, you know, firefighter. It sounds like. Yeah, it's a second generation, but yeah, still, uh, it's 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 a family thing, man. And you know, small town America, we're all family, and uh, it's my way to give back from being a knothead kid back in the day. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's that. <laughs> no, dude, I completely. Yeah, I, I need to do something like that because I got some, <laughs> I got some stuff in my ledger. I promise you that from back in the day. I, I totally understand that. So you guys in Wyoming, like now, I'm just just a selfish question here. On the firefighter side, are you guys seeing more like like people rescuing missions, or are you actually like doing like structure fires? Well, I guess it just depends on what time type of year too. Yeah, I mean we're such a diverse area where we're at, so. I mean, we're, we're doing everything structure, firefighting. We're doing, uh, like grass fire fighting. We even help out with some of the forest fire stuff. Oh, I didn't even think I about mean, that. Yeah. And then, I mean, I'm even on the swift water rescue team and there, I mean, we're just, when you're a volunteer fireman for this kind of an area, I mean, our, our, uh, fire district, it's, it's probably 300 square miles. So it's a big area. Wow. You gotta be, you gotta be able to do it all. Um, not, not taking anything away from the paid guys, but, um, I've had a paid fireman tell me before, uh, that, that we have to know a lot more than they do in certain situations and certain circumstances, because we have to do all of it. We're typically with a paid department or a paid fireman, they've got their one assigned job and that's what they do. They're a truckie. They go and do truckie stuff. Um, whereas we kind of have to do it all, I guess is what I'm saying. That, that's crazy, dude. That's awesome. So to give guys uh, just a little bit of your background before we jump into the off-season goodies, uh, did, yeah. you, did you always live out in, in Wyoming, You like born and raised there? And, and who was one of your biggest influences to getting you into the outdoor, whether it's big game or waterfowl? Or who was your biggest influence growing up? Right. Um, so I've been born and raised here in Wyoming my whole life. I'm 33 years old. Um, love it. I, I've haven't really thought much about leaving it's it's a perfect mix uh wyoming's just full of great people the outdoors are amazing um and you where we're at here in northwest wyoming we we have kind of a, the best of both worlds where i can be down in the badlands or down on the river on the water on a lake or i can go up to the mountains and um as much as i probably shouldn't tell everybody uh Wyoming is kind of an un, unsung, uh, kind of a, a honey hole when it comes to waterfowl hunting, which I didn't discover until, shoot, six, seven years ago. And, uh, man, it's, it's, blow, it, it's, it's amazing. You, you want to pile up mallards, you come up to Wyoming. <laughs> so we're, 
we're faint we're famous for that small water stuff um and stuff so uh yeah if you guys ever check out any of that stuff on youtube uh that's that's me and my buddy and uh and stuff but yeah it's starting to grow out everywhere else um but that's what we're kind of wyoming's become famous for is that's that skinny water small water duck hunting dude and for you guys that don't have like you're you're probably sitting there thinking you know depending on what part of the country you're listening to this podcast in, whether it's the Midwest or Arkansas, or maybe you're like me and live in the Southeast, Tennessee, Georgia, where we have, you know, big public lakes, small, you know, flooded swamps here and there. What Levi's talking about is skinny water. Like they're literally hunting like tiny little bitty, I guess they call them creeks. We call them creeks, you know, like, (laughs) I mean, like stuff you can hop across. And it's that, it's that time of year where, you know, maybe the other stuff's frozen up. There's not a lot of, uh, just resources in that area of the country where the ducks can just go and like literally rest and and you know kind of recoup. Like they're they're like he's not kidding. They are filling straps of greenheads and it's like stuff you could throw a baseball over like twenty foot. I mean it, it's it's crazy. But the ducks, hey, but I mean that's what they say, Levi. Like if you're if you're on the edge, dude, you're like you're where they want to be. Oh yeah. So a lot of, most of the stuff we're hunting. I mean yeah, twenty feet uh 50 yards maybe at our biggest like for our river stuff wow but i mean um like the true warm water skinny water duck hunting it's like maybe three foot wide man oh my god dude i can't even like like i i know i i've seen like when when asher and k tricky was out there and, and and did the videos with you guys and some other people that's filmed but like i i guess it's just one of those things that you literally have to go do in person to really truly understand like the magnitude the yeah. size of the water and just how freaking just how tight and up in your face those ducks get i mean that that's crazy right i mean it's it's definitely experience and we try and do as much of a gentleman's type hunt as we can around here um and and that's even extended to the fact that we uh we even so uh, i guess full disclosure uh i i do work for as a guide um for our special outfit um we, we actually totally told our our clients that there's no 12 gauges allowed um it's all sub gauge and and under so uh yeah i mean it's just when things are that intimate we're we're looking for guys that are looking for the experience you know as much as everybody wants to fill straps up like i want to everybody wants to but ultimately we're there to to have that intimate experience like when you when you've got ducks scraping the front of your blind with their feet and they're scraping like if they come over your back for some reason went on a spin and they their feet scrape the top of your hat like <laughs> golly yeah dude. i mean yeah, that's, that's up a... close and personal man you you can't yeah. be blasting in the face with the 12 gauge so. no no like, like like that that's the perfect kind of hunt for the guy that's already you know maybe he's kind of matured past that point of just wanting to kill everything in the sky he's kind of like Hey, you know, I want like a big, fat, mature uh, greenhead to put on the wall somewhere. So it's it's just like you really like Levi saying, guys, you get to really choose your shots. You're not, you know, if if you don't want to take a shot, you you, you let the ducks work. You, you really pick out your birds, and then you, it's kind of uh, it, this may not maybe appeal to like you know kind of like what I just said, like a kid in middle school or a kid a high school kid that just wants to go out and and pile up birds, we know, whatever, which is everybody went through that stage. But this is the kind of hunt where you pay, you go out there, you really, truly enjoy the company, you enjoy the birds working so freaking tight, and it's just a freaking – Dude, it's just – it's getting me riled up, dude, in this July, so I need to, like, calm down. 
<laughs> yeah, pump, pump brakes, right? <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, man. So, so talk talk a little bit about now. Was it was it a, a guy service that you went in with a buddy with, or like did you join a, an outfit that was already established? Kind of how did that journey go? So that whole journey started off with the dive bump. So it, it, this is a real long story, but I'll kind of give the Cliff Notes version. So uh, a long time ago, I guess uh, during during COVID, a uh, whole long time ago, right? Um, <laughs> we saw. We saw uh, an Instagram post from Forrest Carpenter saying that he was flying through uh, during it was during turkey season. So we we ended up meeting Forrest at uh, the local airport here. Saw his first turkey that he ever shot. Got to BSing with the guy. Wow. Made friends with made friends with Forrest, and then Forrest ends up coming uh, turkey hunting with us like two weeks later. Um, he flies in, we go turkey hunting with him, had a, had a ball, just a, a good time. I don't think we killed a turkey, but we had a blast. Um, then it came to waterfowl season and Forrest was just saying, hey, I'm free. What's going on? Uh, my buddy Kurt had Forrest up and that's where the very, very first skinny water duck hunt came up Wow! Uh, on, the, on, on the dive bomb video. So through all of that, it came to fruition where Kurt, um, decided to start up his own outfit. Um, and, and Kurt was gracious enough to call me up and said, Hey man, I, I want you to be, be a, a guide with me or, you know, you're one of my guides and stuff. So it's just Kurt and I, um, we are booked out for a while, but I mean, that's just it, man. When you've got something special, you got to hang on to it. And we're, we're not, gonna have big giant groups of guys i mean our max group is five and that is like squeezing it we like to have a group of three maybe four guys because i mean when you got to look at a safety aspect with this stuff too when when things are so tight like this and birds are getting in close you gotta you gotta be careful with everybody's the way they swing their shotguns and and all that stuff so it, it just it adds to the intimacy of the hunt too. So, I mean, nothing, not, not going to bang on anybody having big groups. Cause uh, I like to have fun with those people too, but you know, it, it's just the way the nature of our hunt. Oh yeah. Too. I mean, especially if you've got, you know, maybe you've got a father son where, you know, one of the hunters is less experienced than the other. And, you know, you just kind of, you, you know, the, the safer it is, the more enjoyable it is for everybody, especially a guide, because if you're out there working a dog or if you go, you know, go get a cripple yourself, you got to like trust that, these guys aren't just going to throw up a shotgun and shoot a, a you know a flapping bird in the water and you're halfway out there trying to safely retrieve yeah. it. So it's just, yeah, I mean it's just crazy situations that can happen. But it sounds like you guys really you know go through your clientele, let them know the expectation beforehand, and then also yeah. you know have a safe setup for everybody. Even if you you know don't shoot a full limit, at least you had a good safe hunt, which is pretty much the goal. I mean, honestly. Right when you get down to yeah. it. So for everybody that wants to find this or at least go find the video that we were talking about so they can visualize it, what, what what's the name of the outfitter? And I think, is it, does it have a separate IG page also? If I'm thinking. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's 307 foul yeah. play outfitters is the IG, but I mean to watch the YouTube, it's just under dive bomb stuff. If you, if you look under dive bomb industries uh, on the YouTube and just type in Wyoming skinny water or Wyoming duck hunt, I mean, I think there's probably six or seven different different videos, and those usually showcase uh, 
Kurt and stuff. Um, and Kurt's a great, great guy. Um, a good friend of mine, actually. We got a uh, elk tags together this year, so it's going to be a blast, dude. That leads right into what I was going to talk about next. But no, no, I, I'm telling you guys, if if you want to just like wet your whistle right now, get stuff rolling in your head, like go check those videos out. Some great footage. Just, I mean, they have a freaking ball, man. Like and like he said, Kurt's a great guy. Uh, really make sure people have a good safe hunt, and Levi does the same thing if he's out there too. So. Just a just a really cool just a really cool video, man. But dude, yeah. So that leads right into kind of what I was wanting to dive into, like your off season stuff. Like I, I, I'm sure you've got you know obviously you've got a, a full time family gig, firefighting gig. You got a lot of irons in the fire, but obviously yeah. guys right now are thinking about you know and and a lot of people already have for the year. They kind of know what tags they're getting and if they've put in for a draw hunt or wherever you're at in the country, you kind of have the wheels turning. Especially, it seems like it seems like once we hit July Fourth in the year, people really are like, "Okay, screw summer. I'm putting the boat up. Like, let's get plans for the for the fall." You know, so I'm I'm definitely yeah. the same way. But were, were you lucky enough to draw any cool tags this year? It sounds like you kind of led into that, but yeah. So I mean, I, I wouldn't call them cool tags or anything. Like they're not nothing glamorous. It's cool um, to me, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I drew two uh, two different area cow calf tags for elk, um, so th- there's that. But I mean, I guess what I'm looking forward to the most, like, so I'll still get my general over the counter elk tags, so I can go and hunt uh, an over the counter unit. There's only a select few in the state. I'll go hunt those with Kurt. Plus, I've got my my uh, reduced price. Uh, cow elk tag so i can get three elk this year legally myself wow Uh, yeah so that's that's really cool um but i guess what i'm looking forward to the most is my dad and my one of my best friends drew an archery over uh an archery elk tag um and uh it's it's a really cool area or unit uh in Wyoming, we call them areas for some reason. We're we're weird, uh, but, but as, as the rest of the United States calls it a, a unit. Um, so my dad, my best one of my best friends, he uh, they both drew an archery elk, uh, awesome unit, and that's going to be my main focus this year. Um, is trying to bugle in at least my dad uh, a bull elk. So uh, and, and hopefully, hopefully my good buddy Ryan Gorsuch. Uh, bugle him in an elk as well but um yeah it's it's uh for those that haven't ever experienced it it's like turkey hunting but like a 1200 pound animal on steroids yeah on steroids coming in to kill you um yeah it's uh we're, we're turkey hunting you know how everybody you know you're doing your hand hand calls and stuff like that they're coming in to have fun with you um this this time most of the time when you're bugling they're coming in to kill you so <laughs> oh so okay so that that makes a lot more sense now because i never knew the dynamic like because you know some guys use well and i guess it's kind of like turkey hunting i mean there's not one one situation right. that covers the gamut but like some guys use a like a cow, a cow call, call or you know and like in that scenario it would be like you're calling it into like a hot cow, but like it, but most cases, like you see, like on, like you know, when I think of elk hunting, Levi, it's funny. Like I grew up watching, like like the Primos videos back in like, yeah, like, yeah. like the early '90s, you know, going out there and stuff. So like you know, they were always trying to sell their calls. They're just out there with a giant bugle, you know, trying to do all that. But 
Uh, that makes right. a lot of sense. So they're so they're coming in being territorial, basically. Right. Well, and, and just like turkey hunting, it, it all depends on the situation and the strategy, and 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 you're always trying to paint a picture of what's actually going on, right? Yeah. Any any good caller in my mind has got a situation painted out in their head before they start calling. Um. So if you know, say you're bubble hunting, is what we call it. You know that there's a group of elk in this area. And you get into their bubble, which means you've got to get within 75 to 100 yards of this bull elk and his herd. God, that's close. Okay? It's getting in there, man. Um, so that's when I start I start out with, with a couple cow mews. Meow, meow. And, and you start kind of painting that picture of, hey, I'm over here. There's a cow over here. And then I go silent for a minute. And I keep kind of tabs with the herd. And then I'll rip out a huge bugle, right? Just whoa, big challenge bugle. And then that bull's going to say, that guy, he's in my bedroom. He's in my <laughs> kitchen. He's trying to take my girl home. And this is, I'm not going to have it. And, and he, that's when he's going to come charging in. Now, the reason why you wait to where you're within that distance of a bull elk is any bull that's got a good harem that's worth his salt that's been there a time or two is if you bugle at him from, you know, half a mile away, he might bugle back at you, but what he's going to start doing is he's going to start pushing his harem away. Ah, that makes a lot of sense. That, right. But what you might get is the satellite bulls, the Jake's. I don't want to paint a bad picture, but I mean, that's the, that's the way to explain it to a Turkey hunter. Um, you're going to get those Jake's coming in. You're going to get so so what's going to be hanging out on the outskirts of this these big herds where the big bull he's got his 20 50 cows hanging out with them. He's going to have the boys hanging out on the outskirts trying to steal his ladies the whole time. Ah, that makes sense. Right. So when you kind of if you're that far away and you set off a bugle and you got a couple cow calls, the jakes are going to come running. Because they're going to think, oh, maybe I can skirt something away from that, too. So, I mean, you know, you're, they're always picking over the leftovers in a way. <laughs> Dude, that, yeah, j just like real life. And just like anything, two-legged, four-legged, I don't care, chasing ass has killed a lot of people. So yeah, <laughs> dude, a lot of things. Yeah, yeah dude, absolutely. So you know, I completely understand that. So, like in my mind, hearing you describe it, like, so say you drew an archery tag. Like, is it true that like an archery tag is more coveted because you get to go in the like? Does Wyoming and I guess maybe other states that have uh, a mature elk population do they like exclude? the archery only areas like to be like the most prime tag, like that's the most coveted tag or is that opposite of reality? I mean, it depends on what your, your opinion of coveted is, uh, you know, not to be political in my, the way I'm answering this man. But uh, if you're wanting to hunt during the main part of the rut, you're going to pick up an archery tag. Okay. So typically your rifle tags throughout the Western States are going to be in October. So, I mean, you're going to pick up the tail end of a rut come, like, early, early, early October rifle. Like, I've got a, I've got a buddy, Ryan Bodwin. If you guys don't know who Ryan Bodwin is, you need to get your head out of the sand. Uh, he's known as Ryan Off the Grid. is his Instagram handle. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ryan's coming up with me this October. 
um, early, early October. He drew a, a pretty dang good elk tag over here in Wyoming. And, you know, since I've, I've known kind of like I've known Ryan for three and a half years now. Um, never met the guy. Just that's the way internet goes. Right, Daniel? Oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> Friends for life. You never know it. I'm just crazy. It's weird, man. It's every goes against everything they told us in school. Don't meet your don't meet strangers, right? Stranger danger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, Ryan's got an early. He's got an October rifle tag. Um, but I told him, I said, "Hey, we're gonna get you here early October, and then we might catch the tail end of the rut where I can still we can still bugle bowls and stuff like that if, if need be." Um, and with it still being a rifle rifle tag um but that's kind of how it goes and then there's like a late season tag which is all rifle uh but the way wyoming works though just because it says it's a rifle tag doesn't mean you have to use a rifle ah. it, you can still choose archery equipment if you would like so it it's um and that and also uh when in Wyoming refers to archery, it also includes um, crossbows in that situation as well. So, uh, oh, I didn't yeah, know that. Wyoming, okay. Yeah, yeah. Wyoming's a, a bit different than other states in that regard. So, um, yeah, when when it says archery, it, it can mean crossbows, compounds, stick bow, whatever have you, as long as it flings an arrow or a bolt. So uh, you're you're good that way. But yeah. Um, if, if Ryan say so chose to, he could still pick up a, a compound bow during rifle season, which I, which is going to be my, my option. Um, uh, when I go with my over the counter elk tag, um, this year, I'm going to maybe go into a special unit where I'm going to, I'm going to carry my bow in, uh, instead of a rifle. So just. It's one of my biggest dreams, man. Uh, last year, for those that don't follow me or whatever, um, and you know this, Daniel, I had my bow blow up on me. I had probably a 300 and probably 40, 45-inch bull less than, less than 30 yards away from me. He was actually closer than that before that, but I was pinned behind a tree. Um, he's so close. I could hear him peeing on himself when he was, when he was bugling and glunking glunking is the noise that they make. It's kind of like a real hollow, hollow noise. Glutteral. Um, anyway, uh, that's badass. Him, dude, it's, it's, will get your heart racing <laughs> like no other. Like I said earlier, you think turkey hunting's nuts, put it on a 1200 pound animal. That's going to kill you. God. Um, Dude, and uh, I heard him kind of walking away. He lost interest, wondered where the thing that he heard was supposed to be. He kind of stepped away a piece. I stepped out from behind the tree. He was there 30 yards, drew back. I've never in my entire life, fellas and, and gals listening, I've never in my entire life felt so true to a shot in my ever. Rifle, archery, anything. Ooh. And when I went to – I just – I squeezed off that release and I just heard this weird boing. And I'm like, that was weird. That was funny. No arrow left. Whoa, no. I looked down at my bow. My bow blew up. Um, the God. string, the strings, sh string shot. Like my limbs are fine, um, but my strings are just, I mean, tatters. 
And all I can think in that high stress situation was like, we'll knock another arrow. So I pull another arrow out of my quiver and I go to knock it. And that's when I really truly realized like you can't stick that arrow to nothing. <laughs> Dang it, man. Yeah. Um, so like, did you ever figure out like what, like attributed to that? Like what, what, what happened? So from what I can gather, and this isn't talking smack on, on Matthews or zebra strings or anything sure, like no, that. Sure, no, yeah, we're not. And, and and guys out there listening, if you're a brand boy or whatever, if you get butthurt, hey, listen to me. Unless Jesus Christ himself makes a bow, everything is made by a machine or a human being, and it is prone to fail. So right. just, just preface have, that with that. Happens. Yeah, so stuff happens right. in the woods. <laughs> And, and, and that's and exactly, and that's the way I walked out of it. It was like, well, that's the way luck could have it. I didn't blame the strings. I didn't blame Matthews. Oh, this sure. That. Like, you know, that's just that's just life. That's God, it. it wasn't my time to kill that bull. It wasn't my time to kill my first archery elk. I've been doing this a long time. I've killed some big elk in my life, but I've never killed one with my bow before. Um, and uh, yeah, so what what it turns out to be is is on their speed knocks so that little it's like a little weight that they crimp on your string and then they put that shrink wrap over top of that says zebra or a3 or oh ABD yeah or yeah i know what you're talking about whatever you know it's it's got that little shrink wrap around it there's those things are called speed knocks and when they crimp that onto the string it's been inherent among those bows and that string manufacturer that these things will happen from time to time. Oh, man. I didn't know that at the time, and I had been shooting my bow like crazy that year, and just over time, that thing had kind of worn out. I'd even killed an antelope, a speed goat, pronghorn, whatever you want to call it with my bow that year. That's awesome. Um, prior to that, dude, that was talk about pump you up. Uh, <laughs> That is awesome. I mean, that's 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 just a kick in the pants. Well, we can go into that later if you got time. Oh yeah. But uh, but uh, yeah, man. I uh, that's just the way it was supposed to crumble that day, man. man. And uh, and I actually wrote an article all about it, including the antelope hunt. And that's just that's the way life goes. And that's what's going to continue my saga on chasing Wyoming bull elk with a stick and string. It, it's just kind of further embedded my my journey in, in this in western big game hunting because before um right before i got into waterfowl hunting i had totally lost interest in in big game hunting i lost interest in hunting almost no way um, pretty much man pretty much uh you know i loved it don't get me wrong but it was just like okay yep yeah, we'll just see what's going on I've been spoiled and I, I don't, I don't want to sound cocky one bit. It's just, I've been very fortunate in my, in my life being brought up by my dad and, and being, being able to kill some really big bull elk and a really nice mule deer. Um, I mean, I've killed two bull elk over 350 inches. I've killed a, 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 a mule deer that, that grossed 205. I mean, or, Damn. and, yeah, I, I mean, I've been fortunate. I've been lucky. I'm not going to tell anybody I'm good. I'm, I've just been lucky uh, to kill stuff like that. So I, I try and elevate my experience every time. And your tag's your hunt. You you choose that yourself. If you want to kill a spike deer, you want to kill a spike elk, that's on you. It's your hunt. 
Um, but, but I was choosing to try and try and elevate myself a little bit more. Oh yeah. And, uh, absolutely. And so through finding, um, finding waterfowl hunting kind of changed all that for me because I had never waterfowl hunted before. Um, that changed everything for me. And then just through the way the trickles of time and stuff, the, my talking to my dad, who's, who's aging, he's not old, but he's aging. And, and he, uh, kind of said, you know, Levi, I'm done freezing my butt off late season with a rifle chasing elk. I, I just, I think I'm kind of done. And I didn't want to hear my dad say that he was done. This is a guy that I've been hunting with my whole life. That's introduced me to it. Everything. Like, I'm not going to let my dad tell me that. That's I'm like hearing that. That's like hearing Superman say, I'm going to hang the cape up. Right. You know, it's exactly. like, no way, like, dude. <laughs> no, this is the guy I looked up to. And I'm just now hitting my prime where I can afford to go do other stuff. Yeah. And I, can, I, I can, I can start doing my own thing and pushing my own way and this and that. And like, and I still want him to like, take me but but also like we're more on mutual ground where where we can share it more than him guiding me into it so then when with my dad saying that i was like i gotta find another solution and dad said he's tired of getting cold so hmm what's that mean let let let's pick up a bow okay let's let's do that because september is a lot warmer a lot more mild you know, it can get cold, it can get hot, whatever, but it's, it's a lot more applicable. Plus it makes things nicer for, for me and my family. Cause then I can have my wife and kids come out camping. And then I run out during the day, go chase elk, come yeah. back and eat, come back. You see you double dipping, right? You, <laughs> <laughs> come back in the evening, spend time with the wife and kids. Then I'm not in the, I'm not in the doghouse for being gone hunting. Um, so it just seemed perfect, um, and, and that's where the whole archery stuff started with the with the elk again, and it really re-sparked my my Kindle and my love for big game hunting. And uh, man, I, I I just love it. I love Wyoming. I love hunting. All of it, <laughs> dude. That, that's such a such a freaking cool story, man. And and the, you know what though, like the struggles of that of that uh, that moment in time where your string failed and. You know, and like we mentioned earlier, stuff happens. Even like the most bulletproof system that you can possibly hey man, buy, dude, fails, <laughs> man. Like especially like when you're out there in it, like you're within thirty. I, dude, I can't literally physically, my brain cannot comprehend being even that close to a nail because I've never, I've never heard a bugle in real life, never seen one in real life. So I, I can, I can only imagine, you know, living through like videos and like what you're describing, but. Dude, like to have that happen, you know how much sweeter that it made the moment that you do shove an uh, you know an arrow shaft straight through that bull's heart. You know, next time, like that that moment's going to be that right. much sweeter now. If, if it was, if it was easy, man, I'd lose interest, right? Like, oh yeah, that, that's just the way it is. Um, so so that's the way I contribute it. I, I, I'm an overly optimistic person by by trade me too it's a fault of mine dude i just can't help it right yeah it's to a fault but at the same time i think it's an advantage i I think people can be in today's society want everything on demand way too quick they want right here right now and, and it's just it's just too pleasing and then they move on to the next thing where is if you actually have to work for it you you learn the value of it so it's just part of my that's the way I see it. Yeah, and, and like if you could just walk out there in whatever unit you draw for, you kill a, 
you know, I don't know what a big inch of a bull would be, but like, it, like the, the equivalent to like, like, okay. So like where we're at in Atlanta or Nashville, mm-hmm. you got the seek one guys and their ultimate goal, you know, as a whitetail guy is you kill like a, a 180 to a 200 inch deer is like the ultimate that's, benchmark that's deer, of success. So like to an elk hunter, it's like, if I could just go to a unit and be an out of state guy yeah. and boom, I, I knock one off the first morning, you know, it's like, well, shit, that wasn't yeah, that, very... So that, I mean, depends on who you talk to, but that'd be an equivalent to like a 320. Uh, if, if you're talking archery equipment, man, it's a 300 inch plus bolt. Gosh, Anything a, a over, massive and, giant. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking to a rifle guy, you know, a, a big bull, 350, 330. Um, but, I mean, if you archery equipment, man, 300-inch bull is a big boy. Gosh. And on a – it's just it – just, they're, they're animals, man. When you got a rifle in your hand, we're, we've got a little bit more open country, so things can pick you out a little bit easier. They can see you. Yeah. So, so – so that's where that kind of changes a little bit and whitetail stuff. I mean, it's tough too. I, I get it, but, um, I guess that's, if you, if you're truly paying attention to score, that's the numbers. That's, that's so awesome. And it's like, you know, I kind of equivalent it to turkey hunting where you have a guy that may not have any, you know, relatives or he doesn't know friends or maybe hasn't knocked on the door to get a piece of private ground. But he, so he only solely hunts, public land and maybe he goes two or three springs by himself and goes through the school of hard knocks and learns when not to call when not to move blah 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 but say after two springs of getting his ass kicked and his teeth kicked in he he drops you know a long beard with with 10 inch beard and and two and two and a half inch spurs and he's a freaking he's a freaking monster yeah i will take another beer ma'am Thank you. Uh, shout, shout out to Candace. <laughs> she's my, she's like the best. Candace is my sponsor for the podcast. If anybody wants to know, that is hilarious because I literally just shut the door of the fridge and grabbed myself another beer. But but like when so, you said take another beer, I was like, dude, we're on a we're on a phone call I'm right a now. Psychic. Know I'm, that I'm open up. <laughs> I just, I'm like Spider Man, except my beer senses were tingling. <laughs> so so, but like what I was saying is like so that guy who struggled through that and maybe, you know, used YouTube as a resource, or maybe he reached out to somebody on social media and got, and got tips that whole full circle journey when he's standing there, you know, with his hand around that, that Tom, it's just like, dude, you couldn't, you couldn't give that kid a bar of gold and trade him for that Turkey. You know what I'm saying? So it's like the same thing for, you know, a guy that, you know, so, so what you grew up in Wyoming, but there's, there's definitely bulls that you, you know, you bled for, you sweated for, you lost weight for, yeah. you know I mean? So that's just, it, it's just a freaking cool chapter and something you can tell your grandkids one day right. uh, up, about the bow blowing up. And then guess what? I drew another tag and I went out there. I didn't give up on it. You know, that's just, it's just cool, man. Like, like the struggle so, sometimes, and like some of these kids, like, and it's a freaking shame, dude. Like, and some of these kids don't have. Uh, you know, a, a granddad or a papa or a dad or, or whatever to, to show them what it was like. But, yeah, right. dude, like j- just because you get an elk tag doesn't mean you're going to be, you know, your hands up in the horns later on. I mean, you got to really work for it. But, I mean, I, I think that's I think that's the beauty of hunting. I think it's a journey. It's like a lifelong, hard journey. And I think every animal that you, you drop, you know, in the tracks of that, of that book you're writing is just, I, I think that's why it's beautiful, dude. I, I went down a right. rabbit hole, but that's no, just, no, that's you're, just you're, what I you're think. Right, 
that's why they call it hunting and not killing, man. Um, that's it. And I, I like to be harsh and say killing versus harvest and stuff like that. Because <laughs> it, I mean, that's just the it, other truth. It, it, it. It's, it's a fact. It. It's a literal fact. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, but, but that's, that's why they call it that way. If they did, they'd call it, they flat out call it harvesting or they'd call it, they'd call it killing. Um, yep. You know, it's, it's hunting. You're, you're pushing, pushing for that. Um, and uh, dude, I, the whole time I'm sitting here talking about elk, I'm looking over here at these two elk heads that I got. Oh, I'm so jealous, dude. So like my bucket list for anybody out there listening, I want to start off my big game journey I mean, I, I've killed whitetail. I mean, you, you grew up in Georgia. That's kind of just a thing. I mean, turkeys right. and, and, you know, decently to small size whitetail deer is just kind of what you grow up on. But I want to start off with a mule deer. I want to really concentrate on that. I don't care what state, but I got to start putting my points in and, right. and getting uh, that it, stuff done. Yeah. So, I mean, we can, we can dive down that too. If anybody wants to, I'm no expert, but I can at least start pushing in the right direction or at least the right people to get a hold of, um, in different strategies on, on Western big game hunting. And the, the first thing I got to say right out of the gate is build up your points. Now, figure out what state you want to go into and start buying points. And build those up. You should have started doing that five years ago. <laughs> yeah, dude. Especially, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's just an investment. You got to think it, it's it's a life experience that you're investing in. That's it. Flat out, plain and simple. Yeah, Colorado's got their over-the-counter stuff that you can pick up as a non-resident. That's great. But in the meantime, you need to be building points in other states because that's where you're going to have the better experience. I'm not trying to take away anything from Colorado, not one bit. They've got their own units that are that are uh, a points uh, accrued and stuff that are harder to draw, but they are nice enough to to have over the counter stuff. But you need to be building points up into other states, whether it's New Mexico, Arizona, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, Oregon, Idaho. I mean, Oregon, Washington, any of those. Build points up. Look into those states and figure out which one best suits your needs. Dude, it, it's so. it's so true. And like Levi's saying, guys, like it's you got to get started now. Even like if it's just on your, say it's not in your like most you know the most current forecast of your next couple seasons. But if it's on the if it's a blip on your radar, you know maybe maybe skimp on the 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 deer lease this year and put some money towards that. I mean, I'm just. It's because it is going to come to a time in your life where you're like, damn, dude, like you don't want to get to where, like, say you're at the end of your hunting career and you just want the easy stuff. You're going to say like, man, when I was young and I could climb that mountain and I could get, you know, get to where those animals are, I should have freaking went. Like, dude, no one one wants to be like that. Now's the time. You should have been doing it. Yeah. I. So nobody ever talks on any of these other, like, podcasts about uh the actual financials of of going out west and hunting right yeah or, yeah or it, yeah yeah because all these guys are like yeah dude you just do it like just do it. like okay well the part-time hunter is pretty much right. everybody who doesn't get paid to do it on tv like josh right. bomar you know that guy i got my own opinion but anyway i'm just saying <laughs> most of us have jobs families commitments and we only get like two weeks paid vacation, maybe five days a year. So it's like, right. a, you know, you got to choose like, am I going to Destin, Florida with the wife this year? Or am I going to pursue my dream? And it's, it's, it's a given, it's a give and take. 
But Daniel, let me ask you this: What's thirty bucks to you? Uh, thirty bucks is two days not eating lunch out at work. Okay, perfect. Easy. So, so you want to come hunt Wyoming? Yes. Thirty bucks every year is what you need to do to put in for a single elk point. Wow. Every year. I see. I didn't that's know. What, I didn't know it was that cheap. I thought it was like a hundred dollars or something. No, that's that's why I'm trying to say. Like everybody on all these podcasts never talks about the numbers. So that's why I'm breaking it down for you. It's like thirty bucks for an elk point. Wow. Okay, but but that being said, your average unit that's an okay to starting to be a better unit, it's going to take you ten years to draw that. You can Holy only buy crap. That's what I'm saying, folks. Wow. You should have been doing this five years ago or more. If you're 16 and you're listening to this podcast, start doing it now. Dude, yeah. Because you're going to be 26. I, I don't know a kid out there that wouldn't be like, hey, you know, for Christmas, you know, maybe. Buy you, me a point. Yeah, buy me a point. Like, dude, put that in my stocking. You know, like, dude, that's a great idea. Yeah. But that being said, if you want to go to Montana. So, so okay, here's a breakdown of it. And, Daniel, cut me off if we've gone too long or anything. No, okay? dude, no. we you, you have the floor, dude. You're completely fine. Yeah. So, here's, here's at least Montana-Wyoming comparison. Okay, just because I know about it. Um, so, average, it takes about 10 to 8 years to draw a half-decent tag in Wyoming. Gosh. So, that's buying one, one point every year. That, And there's some complicated stuff in there, too, where you can put in for a special draw. And then there's a certain percentage that draw on a random that you can get lucky on. Okay? There's the lucky stuff there. But I'm not going to talk about the lucky stuff. Um. So that's building up your points and you go into Wyoming or you can go into Montana and Montana. If you want to hunt a general over the counter unit and that's nothing special, but there's a lot of general over the counter units over in Montana. Okay. You can buy, I think you can buy a point for, I mean, it's, it's stupid cheap. It's less than less than 50 bucks. Okay. You can buy a point in Montana for less than 50 bucks a year. On your second year of point, putting in for those points, you're guaranteed, guaranteed to draw that over-the-counter unit. Wow. Okay. That being said, your tag price for Montana is $1,200. Holy shit. <laughs> okay. That's a commitment. Right. Man, that's a commitment. Well, where Wyoming is five hundred and forty for your for your tag. Sign me up. That's a deal. But Daniel, that's where you got to weigh out. Weigh out. Do you got ten years to wait no. for a five hundred forty dollar tag? No. Or do you have two years to wait to pay twelve hundred? Do you think that's by design? You, you think that's kind of like that's just the way each state has set it up, man. Okay. And, and, and Montana's just flat out bigger. Like, ah, okay. Wyoming, Wyoming's game and fish is a lot more conservative that way. Yeah, they know that they their tag prices are cheaper, but they're going to get you on the other end of building points. That makes total sense. I'm with you. Right. So I mean, I'm I, I I'm next year guaranteed to hunt in Montana myself. So, I mean, there's that. 
so uh, I, I'm I'm looking to start playing outside of my playing field of just Wyoming. I'm starting to work look at hunting at different other states. So That's as awesome. much as I sit here preaching, everybody you should have been doing this five years ago. It's because I know I have. I know I should have been doing this five, ten years ago in different states, Idaho, Montana, New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, all these other places, Utah. And, so, and and do you think more than the money, it's almost like the other aspect of it where, like, again, I'm going back to turkey hunting, guys. Sorry, I know. It's a freaking dead drum over here. But like, No, that's where we connect things for you guys. Uh, like, not you guys, quote-unquote, oh, on the East Coast. <laughs> what do you mean that, by you guys? Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, no. It, it, <laughs> but it, it's, it, it's completely relatable because uh, so last – well, not this last spring, two springs ago – uh, me and a guy from Chattanooga, we we hauled ass to Kansas, and we had you know o- over the counter non resident tags, and we did completely public land. Get your teeth kicked in. Uh, I think Kansas is known for the the weehaws, the the walk in only access, and uh-huh. we hunted hard, dude. Like slept in the car, no hotel, no shower. Uh, you know, eating at McDonald's, you know, trying to be cheap. And we hunted hard for four days, and we got our asses kicked in. But I think on the other side of the coin, talking about big game, when the when the prices and the travel and, you know, you just kind of put it all in, in one category, you're like, damn, dude, like, I'm going to public land. Like, I think it's kind of the fear of what if I don't know anybody out there and I'm just, like, risking it all and I just, you know, paying – that kind of money, but I mean, it's like you you got to risk it. But isn't that the glory it. of it? That's the that yeah. is the glory of it, dude. It is. It truly is. That, that that's getting back to our roots, like our true roots of going out there in something you've never explored before and making it happen. Yep. And, and, and when you're talking Western big game hunting, that's what you're talking about. Ninety percent of us, our stuff. I mean, I've been born and raised in Wyoming, and ninety eight percent of my big game stuff is all on public land just because that's where it's at that's well, awesome. our public our public land is a lot more vast when you're talking big game than 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 what you guys experience over there oh yeah i mean we've absolutely got, we've got large natural national forests that's what you're, that's your playing ground that's where you're chasing mule deer that's where you're chasing elk and and, and that's where the the real good stuff is i mean yeah you've got the occasional private land that butts up to it and that's where they sanctuary on but you play that border you can either have another secret of playing another border where you you go and you play the state's border i can go on the wyoming montana border and here's another strategy of that where you're playing against a border because nobody's really going to go there because they're going i don't want to get too close to montana well, then, you know what? You might be hunting some really unpressured elk. You might be hunting some unpressured deer because you're hunting that border. It's, Dude, it, such, a, such a good – yeah, I mean, I, see, I, I'm so behind the eight ball because, like, my, my ticket for this year is pretty much – spent i've already committed to it dude i know man it's already gone because i'm I'm gonna hop in the truck with some dudes up in tennessee here local to us and we're gonna we're gonna ride out to nodak here it's kind of like that last weekend of when october when october turns into november we're gonna chase some stuff on some kind of some freelance stuff and that's kind of all good selfishly it's on my bucket list because nodak is one of those places where 
you know, you still got the rule of if there's not, you know, posted on all four corners, you can go hunting. And so it's just kind of like that last frontier of, and sadly, right. that, that stuff's kind of going the way of the dodo, which is kind of sad. But I, I just want to say that I had went out there and, and done that at, at some point. But no, I mean, like, dude, yeah, man, because that's going to be something that disappears before you know it. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's going to disappear. It's already starting to happen, but yep. within our lifetime, it'll be gone. Which is super sad, but you know what, dude? Like as we talk about on the BS report, which you definitely should be a part of one day, is because uh, <laughs> I'm good at BS, and that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but but with, with, without diving down the political rabbit hole too much, because this is a hunting episode, but it's just <laughs> like, dude, this world is it, it, it's a dead, dying world. You know, for guys that that believe in a you know the the greater calls down the road, and what I'm trying to say is like, you know, there's more to this life. You know, at at the right. end of, at the end of this life, there's there's something else. So it, it's just the, the the more you realize that, you know, the more that when, I'm only 31, so I'm not speaking from a lot of wisdom here. I didn't know I was older than you, <laughs> <laughs> you old man. But it, it it's just like the the more you realize, you know, I mean, as you see stuff in the government happen, as you see stuff all over the world happen, like this world is not meant for forever. So as I mean, if that clicks with you and resonates with you guys, listen to the podcast. Then it's just like, yeah, you know, like, I mean, look, look, look how good our granddads had it hunting, you know, 20, even just 10 years ago, you know, so it's just, yeah, it's truly crazy. And that's why Levi's saying like the clock's ticking on these tags, guys, get your points in and uh, start, start planning for tomorrow. Cause there may not be opportunities like this all the time. So. Right. I mean, I know it sounds like you're trying to wrap it up, Daniel, but I, I do have to say though, the time is now because um, if you haven't noticed, we've been starting to break records. So uh, granddaddy's time wasn't so great. Dude, I mean, dude, I, I'm, I'm it, telling you, man. Like, yeah, Levi, you're so right, dude. Strike while, strike while the iron's hot, as they say, and get, yeah. the, get the points in. I know I'm going to be talking to Levi off the air because I, I really do want to – like Let's I mean, get it figured I, out, dude. And, and like, dude, I'm not trying to be like selfish. I'm not trying to say like I want to go get a big bull elk. I just want a mule deer, dude. Like I just want to see like a but, mule deer but hanging in here. An, let's go get an elk or a mule deer, bull. Oh, so so, so be, for twelve hundred and fifty bucks in Montana. Okay, you and I, you and I can both go hunt Montana for twelve hundred fifty bucks, and that's a combo tag. So that's elk and mule deer. Oh, dude, I would lose my mind if if those two so let's go oh my god dude i mean even like just to go out there like i i'm so like i have such a, a love relationship with out west like i i told candace my wife i was like dude if we didn't have any family alive around here and i gotta find some wood to knock on real quick like knock on some wood. <laughs> no like, if, if we didn't have any anchors here in, in in north georgia which is totally fine for this part of my life but if we didn't have anything holding us back we would live in either oklahoma or somewhere out there dude because it's just like it seems like that's like really the truly last part of the country that's truly free. Like in, in my mind, it's just small awesome. town America, man. That's that's where we're at. I'm small freaking jealous. America. And shout out to anybody out there that listens to the podcast that does big game stuff because I am in the, I am balls deep into this long range precision rifle built for Savage, and I've got so many questions. And like, so like my background just real quick is. Like guys here in North Georgia, they build a rifle for like a hundred yards. Like so, it's a real simple wooded engagement with a whitetail. And then like our ranges even here, the WMAs, unless you own like a giant piece of land down in South Georgia in the flatland, 
you're only going to shoot like 100 yards. So I'm like total newbie to actually building a precision rifle platform. So like if anybody's got ideas about scope setups and this kind of thing, I've, I've kind of got the parts uh, accumulated. I'm waiting, for right. my, I'm waiting for my glass to come in from Burris. So it's going to be freaking awesome. So I would love any input. I'm, I'm, we'll be the first one to tell you, super not an expert in this realm. So if anybody would like to DM me or shoot me a message, just drop me a line. I would love to pick your brain. So just put yeah. that, just putting that out there for you guys if you hear this. So, so less than 20 minutes away from my house is the uh, um, the center of some of two uh, at least two of the largest long range uh, shooting outfits around. Um, so oh, I could put man. you in, I I could put you in in line with some with some know it alls. Um, I would that love being that. Said, that being said, I, I grow up in the the area where you can shoot long range all you want, but personally, I won't shoot outside of five hundred yards. So, which is which is a dang good piece anyway, dude. That but, uh, that's that's long range to me. <laughs> For sure. No, it, it it is it is, but I'm not. Uh, uh, when when you're talking true long range, you're not really. Uh, talking anything until you're out past a thousand so dude yeah so i yeah so it, dude, if you want to sling me some contacts or something or let them know i'll be yeah. reaching out i would love that because i would just love to just purely just be humbled by those guys and get some knowledge because i'm all about knowledge transfer and that's in any part of your life guys if you're if you're big into wanting to be proficient in anything in life get next to the guys that do it and are pros at it because that's the only people that you know knowledge transfer it, it'll help you in life i promise you but levi dude seriously freaking it's always a pleasure dude you know i just <laughs> love talking to you glad to have you on the show finally and uh you guys go check levi out pulling feathers podcast 307 foul play and this guy's gonna be cranking out content all throughout the season. So if you've got questions or if you want to uh, go check out his show, he's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. What? Where else are you, Levi? Everywhere you find podcasts, man. Perfect. Everywhere. Perfect. So you guys can't miss it. you got no excuse. Go check it out. And uh, as always, guys, we'll catch you on the next one.